and welcome on in to the Zach Gelb Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach, who was just on your airwaves in for Maggie and Perloff right here on CBS Sports Radio. I know no one really says this, but I think it has to be said a little bit more. So I'll say it. Happy Monday to you. A happy Monday and welcome on in. We do appreciate you making us a part of your Monday. Where else but right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's really frustrating because I had a great weekend. I hope you did as well, but it was my dad's birthday. My friends Drew and Jill got engaged. An awesome engagement. Happy, or I was going to say happy, but happy engagement. That was stupid. Congratulations. That's the right way to say it here. Congratulations to them. So it was a lot of fun. It was a great weekend. And it's frustrating, honestly, coming off of a fun weekend to start the show on a negative note. But unfortunately, James Harden and his latest comments um, earlier this morning give me no choice. And it's really frustrating because, yet again, James Harden is showing you this morning especially why he is the biggest loser, not just in the NBA. I think right now in all of sports, there is no bigger loser in the realm, in the world of sports we live in right now than James Harden. Because nobody, nobody points and pins their own failures on others more than the beard. And look, when you talk about signs of being a coward, I think there's no more, you know, bigger cowardly act than that. This is a guy that constantly, as we know, fails in the postseason and constantly has some sort of excuse and has someone else to blame that is not himself. He has done it now repeatedly the last few off seasons, and frankly, he's done it unscathed, and I'm tired of it. I am tired of it. There is no benefit to having James Harden on your team, whether you are the Sixers, whether you are a team like the Clippers, who's been reportedly in trade negotiations, and those we learned uh, did come to a halt, and partly and that's why James Harden is speaking the way he is. Miss those comments will play, play them for you in a second here. But there is not one team in the NBA, not one of 30 teams in this league where James Harden is a fit and where they should say, we need the beard. We got to bring James in. He helps us out. The guy does not contribute to winning. All he does is point fingers, blame others, and show why he is the biggest loser in all of the NBA. So in case you missed it, I want to play it for you. James Harden is on an Adidas tour and was at some sort of event in China this morning. And he was talking about his Sixers frustration. He was asked a question about his future, and here's James Harden calling out current Sixers president of basketball operations, Dal Murray. Daryl Murray is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Murray is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. I know it's a little tough to hear because he's at a gym and this is just phone recorded video, but in case you couldn't make it out, clearly, James Harden in that clip twice, he preed himself, said, Daryl Morey is a liar. I will never play for him again. There's only one liar here in this situation. The only liar here is James Harden because James Harden is lying to himself. James Harden is lying to himself about how much he thinks he's worth and how much he means to a basketball team in terms of winning a championship. That's why he's holding himself in such high esteem and why he's so angry with how these Sixers have treated this offseason. Going back to even when he opted in, James Harden has a player option. And he thought, even going back to last year, when he took a pay cut, he assumed, I take a pay cut last year, then I'll get paid handsomely, maybe even more, this upcoming offseason. And when he choked in the playoffs, 
yet again when the Sixers had another early exit. Guess what happens? Daryl Moy looked over and said, I can't give this guy max money. I can't lock this guy up for four or five years and hitch my wagons to an aging guy in James Harden who thinks he's one of the best players in the league, but in reality, he's not. That's the only person lying here. It's James Harden lying to himself about what kind of player he is, especially, especially in the postseason. Maybe they did have an agreement last year, Dow Morey and James Harden. They are very close. Hey, James, you take this pay cut this year, and then in 2023, you know, we'll reward you, you know, handsomely. We'll take care of you, don't worry. But then when, when you see the season play out as it did, and you look at the future of, does James Harden really make us a championship team? When the answer is no, there is no reason to give James Harden a big-time deal. So I applaud Daryl Morey for at least standing his ground, not giving into what Harden wants contract-wise, not giving in what Harden wants currently right now trade-wise, and basically saying, look, this team option you signed in for, that's what you're worth to us. That's what you're worth to us. That's why the only liar here is James Harden. He still considers himself a superstar, I'm sure. I'm sure if you asked him, hey, who's the best player in the league, he would say himself. He still holds himself in high regard. The only issue is he does not look at himself how we look at him right here in planet Earth in reality. He is nowhere near the player he thinks he of. A uh, player he thinks he is, I should say. And especially when it comes to the playoffs, this is a guy who's more of an asteroid then he is a shooting star. But he is a guy who hurts his team's chances to win a championship more than he helps them. And there's there's the sad part. This guy used to be a James Harden fan. I really did. I liked his game a lot, especially when him and the, you know, the Rockets had their epic battles with the Warriors in the playoffs. I wanted Houston to win. I wanted James Harden to break through. And time after time after time, kept choking it away, not coming through, blaming others. So I left the bandwagon. I left the bandwagon. I am sure as hell not going back. So now, when you look in hindsight, it's very easy to look back at basically any year James Harden has been in the playoffs and point to him shrinking, him choking, him being the reason why his team could not get past, you know, the Warriors, could not get past the Celtics, any team you want to name, it was there. He was a net negative for most of his postseason appearances. And even if you just go back the most recent time, because right, we do have a big recency bias here with how we look at accomplishments, how we look at players, how we look at teams. So let's just go back to the most recent series James Harden has played in the playoffs. He's got Celtics, right? Seven-game series, which the Sixers should have won and blew it. James Harden, to his credit, had two of the best games of his playoff career in games one and in games four. Game one, 45 points on the road, tremendous performance. Did not think he had that in him. Played really well. Got the game one victory there. For Philly. Game four at home, down 2 1. Gotta have a game or the series is over. 42 points and another big time clutch effort from James Harden. Two by far to the best games he's ever played in his postseason career. The issue is, in classic James Harden fashion, that series went seven. Right? One game, two games by your star does not mean you win a series. The other five games in that series against Boston, James Harden combined. For a total of 67 points, games one and four, he combined for 87 points. The other five games, 67 points. He combined to shoot 16 of 63 from the field, which is a whopping 25%. And 
And from three, 15%. He was god-awful in the other five games. And that's the biggest issue with James Harden. He is a yo-yo. Again, it's rare, but he did show you in games one and games four, he could be, on one night at least, a superstar. A guy who carries your team. A guy who hits clutch shots, who is unstoppable from the field, gets to the line and helps your team win a big-time playoff game. His issue, though, is more times than not is he bad, but also more times than not, he is horrendous. He's a dumpster fire. It's not like he can have a bad game and it's, oh, he had 18 points and was 9 of 20 and it was kind of a ho-hum. No, no, no. He doesn't even have quietly bad games. He's either all the way up or all the way down. And again, he's taken a lot of shots and we saw, especially in that Celtics series, in those other five games, he was missing a lot of shots. So when you hear in a seven-game playoff series, five of the seven games, James Harden combines for 67 points, shoots 25% from the field, and 15% from three. Do those scream superstar numbers to you? Do those scream max contract? Let me give this guy a big-time deal? Absolutely not. Which is why in this... Harden versus Morey, who's actually the real liar in this situation? I defend Daryl Morey. I'm not a big Daryl Morey fan in general. I don't like a lot of the moves he's made for Philly. I don't think he's done the best job possible to put the Sixers in a chance to win a championship. But in this specific situation, when it comes to the future of James Harden, not budging and giving him a big-time deal, not budging then and cratering and saying, oh, you want to be traded, James? Here, we'll just give you away. There you go. I give Darren Moore a lot of credit for holding his ground and not getting pressured by James Harden to do what James Harden wants him to do. So that's why the only liar here to me is Harden himself. He is lying to himself because his perception of his game and how good he is is totally warped from how everyone else perceives him. This is a guy that, again, has notoriously come up small in big moments and has done so over a huge sample size. Right, we're not talking about just one playoff series or, oh, he's only been in the playoffs two years. We have seen him year after year, time after time, series after series, game after game, in the playoffs for over a decade now, continually come up small, choke when his team needs it the most. He is not a championship player. To me, him and Kyrie are identical in a lot of ways in the sense that Whatever team they're on, that team is not winning a championship for different reasons. But for Harden, it's because they're going to rely on him to either be the best player or the second best player on a championship team. He cannot fulfill that role. He can really not even fill the role of being the third best player on a championship team right now with how he plays. But his perception of how he is is why he's the liar here, not Darren Moore. And which is why if you are the Sixers, you can absolutely, absolutely not give James Harden what he wants. He continually points and blames the uh, failure of his on others. He never takes accountability. And when he doesn't get his way, he pouts. We saw it in Houston, how he tanked his way out of there. We saw it in Brooklyn, how he tanked his way to Philly. And now we're seeing it in real time, right in front of our faces, him tanking his way out of Philly. It's the same old playbook. Nothing is surprising from James Harden. And that's why, for me, if I'm at any of these other 30 NBA teams. It seems like the Clippers have, you know, been pretty wise and said, you know what, we're going to stay away from James. That's not a guy we need to trade for. 
Them and the other 29 teams in the NBA, I think all should be in unison here. There's not one team that James Harden would fit. There's not one team right now that should want James Harden on their team. He's a loser. He's a coward. And he does not contribute to winning basketball. And we saw it again in just the latest example of an ongoing list of examples from James Harden of why he is not a championship player from his comments this morning in China about Darren Moore calling him a liar. That's all you need to know. So I want to ask you this here. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gale right here on CBS Sports Radio. I want to ask this at 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. If you can't call, tweet. We're there on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. If you want James Harden on your team, if you are a James Harden defender, tell me why. Tell me why James Harden is in the right here and calling Daryl Moore a liar. And tell me why you want James Harden on your team. I cannot fathom one reason why it makes sense for any of the 30 teams, no matter what spot they're in, to bring James Harden to town. But if you have an argument, I want to hear it. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Again, at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. All right, we'll continue this discussion as well here when we do come back on the other side of the break because at least now we have a staring contest. We have Maury saying, hey, I want to keep James Harden. We have James Harden saying, Daryl Moore's a liar. I want to get out of here. What should happen? What should the Sixers do here? Should they give in and trade James Harden? My answer is yes. I'll tell you why when we do return. Again, it's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on this Monday evening. Welcome on in. Appreciate you making us a part of your Monday right here on CBS Sports Radio. Unfortunately, starting the show in a negative here because James Harden continues to realize how much of a loser he truly is. This time now blaming Daryl Morey for quote-unquote lying to him about the kind of contract that James Harden thought he was going to be getting this offseason when guess what? His play was not requisite of the contract he wants. If James Harden had a big postseason, if James Harden helped the Sixers bare minimum, bare minimum, Get to the Eastern Conference Finals. If he was just even half as good as he was in games one and four, where he scored 45 and 42 points respectively, and had two decent games in any of the other five games of that series, and the Sixers won in six, Sixers won in seven, I promise you we are not having this conversation today because James Harden would have a new deal. The Sixers would not be slow playing, and the Sixers would not be playing hardball with James Harden because his play would have at least gave the Sixers reason to believe that, hey, maybe, maybe he can help us win a championship here uh, in Philadelphia because at least he was able to get them someplace that they were not able to go so far in the Joel Embiid era, and that was the Eastern Conference Finals. And as we saw again in classic James Harden, uh, James Harden fashion, I should say, excuse me, he was unable to. He was unable to do that. He had five total clunkers against the Celtics. And as we know, the Sixers up 3-2 at home with a chance to close it out. Lost game six, lost game seven, blown out in game seven. Good night, see you later, season over in embarrassing fashion yet again. So James Harden is calling Daryl Morey a liar because he's not getting the contract he wants, despite the fact that James Harden does not deserve it. That's why he's the real liar in this situation. James Harden thinks he's worth uh, worthy of a contract he actually, his play-wise, does not deserve. 
he does not deserve. And he's lying to himself if he thinks he actually deserves to be one of the highest paid players in the NBA. So I want to hear your thoughts here. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Are you with James Harden here? Is he getting wronged? Are the Sixers, by not giving James Harden a big-time deal, are they wronging him? And if you're not a Sixers fan, let me ask you this. Would you want James Harden on your team? Would you feel good about having the beard on your squad? My answer to both those questions, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But now we look going forward here. What happens? And that's that's the next step of this conversation is, all right, so Darren Morey said he wants to keep James Harden. We learned over the weekend that the Sixers are taking James Harden off the trade market, not going to trade him, and, and hope to kind of you know work with them this year in terms of in terms of um, winning a championship and having him on the court. James Harden, on the other hand, wants a trade. He wants to be a member of the Clippers. He is done with the Sixers. And now you see him earlier today releasing those comments about Darren Morey being a liar. He is now starting to play hardball to try his forces way out. If you're the Sixers, I think you got to trade James Harden. you got to trade him for anything, honestly. Two nickels and a pack of gum, I am in if I'm Darren Moore. I do not want James Harden anywhere near my team. But here's why if you're a Sixers fan, if you're anyone in the Sixers organization, here's why James Harden being on the roster is the worst case scenario for this team going forward. They are not winning a championship with this team. We've seen this core... We've seen this core a lot lose. Embiid, Harden, Tobias Harris. This is not a championship core. So running it back is truly the definition of insanity because they've tried to run it back now for years. Different iterations, right? James Harden wasn't there for all of it. You had Ben Simmons. You had other guys at other points. The point is, really, this team under Embiid, they are not a championship contender right now. And so you need to trade James Harden because one of two things will happen by trading James Harden. Either you trade James Harden, and by some miracle, you get enough pieces back to where you are able to entice and convince the Portland Trailblazers to send Damian Lillard your way and work out a trade to get Dame to Philly. Or you swing and a miss, you trade James Harden, you get nothing back of value, you basically give him away, and that in and of itself frustrates Joel Embiid he asks for a trade, he wants out, and then he's gone. Either one of those scenarios, Dame to Philly, uh, Embiid requesting a trade, I think either direction is a benefit for the Sixers because guess what? It lets them get unstuck. They are stuck. They are not a championship contender, nor are they bad enough to go back into the lottery and try to get some sort of superstar to save the day. They need to make a move one way or another. Either make a move to catapult them to the top or make a move to slowly rip it down and go back to the bottom and restart all over again. Like, if you get Dame, if you, again, by some miracle, are able to pull off a trade and able to convince the Portland Trailblazers to send send Damian Lillard your way, we're talking about a Sixers team with Embiid and Dame that has their best chance to win a championship since the AI days. We're going on 20 years now. Two decades. Because Embiid showed you last postseason, he is not a number one on a championship team. He's a really damn good number two option. But even though he's the MVP of the league, his game and his health also 
prohibit him from really truly being the number one centerpiece on a championship team. So it's obviously tough. There are players out there, but not many were that that can come in and be that true number one on a championship team. I think Lode is one of those guys. I think if Lillard comes in and teams up with Embiid, I do think the Sixers are legitimate title contenders. And so now you make that trade. You go, I think, right up near the top. You're right in the same conversation as the Bucs and Celtics without a doubt. Bare minimum. You are legit for the first time in 20 years of trying to win a title. That's obviously the higher side if you trade James Harden. What could happen? The lower side, I think, is also a good thing. The lower side is if you don't get any sort of requisite trade pieces back to facilitate a Dame trade. You get kind of scraps. Embiid plays this year with him and Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey, I think, still has a lot of potential, but at least right now in present day, he's not one of those guys that's ready to take over a championship contender. So Embiid gets frustrated. He know he knows his clock is ticking. He has seen many guys put next to him fail. He gets frustrated and he wants out this time next year. I don't think it's a bad option for Philly either. Again, I just told you, the Embiid is not a number one on a championship team. So the odds and the chances of you landing someone better than Embiid are very slim. He, does, he has another big year, stays healthy, relatively in the regular season. You're going to have a big trade market out there for Embiid. And then you can get realistic pieces back, realistic building blocks to start building this franchise up from the ground up again. They tried with the process, and the idea in and of itself is not a terrible idea. The problem for Philly was the execution was horrible. Horrible. So many wasted picks. So many misjudgments. So many missteps along the way that have them where they are right now instead of being a true title contender with three or four number one, number two, number three picks. They're sitting there stuck in the middle with one guy that's panned out in Embiid and no one else really around him. So you trade Embiid this time next year have a total organizational reset, get draft picks, get some young players you can hopefully build around, have Tyrese Maxey be your centerpiece player going forward, you can then actually start to build your team in a championship life for the first time in a long time. Trading in bid would at least allow you the freedom to start making some decisions and, again, really starting to build this team back as a true contender in the um, in the East. Because as we sit here present day, as you sit here in past years, they never were, nor are they today, legitimate threats in the East. I don't care what their regular season record is. I don't care what awards Embiid wins. They are a perennial paper tiger. Solid in the regular season. As soon as the playoffs come, choke. Run away from the big moment. Can't get it done. Can't make the clutch play. And so if you are the Sixers... Running it back with James Harden. All you're doing is just delaying the inevitable. And that's a, why that's a, it's the worst case scenario. I don't think any Sixers fan should feel confident this team is any sort of threat of just getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. If they run this court back again and James Harden somehow waves the white flag on his stance, apologizes, comes back, and wants to play. Like, that's the best case scenario. Best case scenario, right? If James Harden now walks his comments back, gets in shape, is all in on 2023 and plays with the goal of trying to get a big-time contract, whether it's from Philly or somewhere else, next offseason, and he's actually motivated, even if all those things that are no, you know, there's no chance of them actually happening, 
But in a perfect world, that happens. There's still the Sixers not a championship threat. There's still not a threat to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So why would you want to run it back when you know the absolute ceiling is second round of the playoffs? That does you no good, does Embiid no good, does the team no good. And all it does is just delay the inevitable because it pushes and kicks the can down the road one more year, and then Embiid maybe will give you one more offseason next year to see, okay, what can you do if James Harden's not here? What can you put around me? Instead of figuring that out right now, let this be the year, the guinea pig year. Let it be the situation where either you can go get Dame and go make a run at it, or you trade hard and you get nothing back. You let Embiid probably fume for a full year, have a request a trade this time next year, and you truly start to make progress going forward. Either situation, tanking it, trading Embiid, trading Harden, or somehow trading Harden and getting enough back to get Damian Lillard on your team and pairing him with Embiid, either option is a million times better than where the Sixers currently are, which is an unhappy Harden and Embiid that's not a number one on the championship team and a team destined for another early embarrassing exit in the playoffs. So 855-212-4227, 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Should the Sixers in your mind trade James Harden? Who should win this tug of war? Daryl Morey, and again, let's remember, by the way, these are two experts at tug of war. Remember when Ben Simmons requested a trade? Ben Simmons requested a trade around training camp, and it never came through till February, when ironically he was traded for James Harden. So... Maury kind of sat on that for almost six months before making a trade. And James Harden, as we know, Houston, clubbing during training camp, showing up out of way, uh, out of shape, excuse me, and really disconnecting from his teammates. Then in Brooklyn, mailing it in, half-assing it on the court before he was traded. This guy's the pro of getting out of situations he, he doesn't want to be in. And Darren Moore is also someone who's very stubborn and dug in. So he's also the king of, I'm going to get what I want. So we have a legitimate tug-of-war staring contest about which guy and which camp is going to be right. If you're the Sixers, you better hope James Harden wins. You back down, you trade him. That's the best-case scenario. But who do you think will win in this? 855-212-4227. Again, at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll get your thoughts. And also, when we do return here, first week of NFL preseason is in the books. I'll give some of my biggest takeaways and, and kind of things that have me watching out for in the regular season. We'll get to those uh, on the other side when we do return here. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Elb right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Elb right here on CBS Sports Radio. Started and, and talked a lot so far this hour about James Harden calling president of basketball operations uh, Daryl Morey, the Sixers, a liar uh, and said he'll never play for him again despite the fact that he is under contract for this upcoming season. So that should be uh, fun to watch if you are not a Sixers fan. Jason Thomas tweets at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. Harden stands free the beard. My question to Jason and any Harden stand out there is this. Free him from what? Where has he been wronged? Where's James Harden and really any of his three stops in Houston, in Brooklyn, and now in Philly? Where has he been wronged? He has claimed each time that basically he's the victim and he doesn't want to be here and he needs to be freed from what is the jail of the Rockets or the jail of the Nets and now the jail of the Sixers. What has he done? Or excuse me, what have those teams done to put him in this quote-unquote jail that he feels he's in? 
Was it Daryl Moore or was it James Harden that sucked in five out of the seven games against the Celtics in their eventual Game 7 loss in the second round? Whose fault was it that the Nets debacle just totally imploded? And when he was in Houston, was it not James Harden's fault why they could not get past the Warriors on multiple occasions? Look, say what you want about Russell Westbrook and his style of playing here in, in this day and age. It's, it's not, I will agree, it's not meant for this um, game. He's a very selfish player. But to Russell Westbrook's credit, at least, he's a team guy. I know those are kind of an oxymoron, selfish and team guy, but he does, I think, play hard and he plays the game the right way. And for him to basically want out of Houston after one year playing with James Harden because he was so sick and tired of James Harden's lack of work ethic and lack of caring... Then you used to look around and you realize, sooner or later, it ain't you, man. It ain't you. Take blame. Take accountability. And that is one thing that has been consistent throughout the entire career of James Harden. He has never one time in his career pointed the finger at himself. He's never one time said, you know what? That's on me. I need to be better. I need to play better. I need to up my game to another level that it's you know that it hasn't been before. I got to play better in the postseason. None of those words have ever come out of his mouth. And until they do, it's the same thing over and over again. It's a definition of insanity. There's going to be some idiot team out there that trades for him. Without a doubt, that's how the NBA works. They take these recycled superstars that are malcontents left and right and think, oh, I'm going to be the team that, that changes them. Just like the toxic girl. Oh, why is this girl always running through boyfriends? Huh, because every single guy that looks at her says, I'm going to be the one to fix her. And guess what, guys? You aren't. Nobody is. She's unfixable. James Harden is unfixable. So whether it's the Clippers or someone else, they will probably trade for him. And guess what? I'm sure this year will be all hunky-dory, all happy playing for a contract. If he re-signs that team, guess what? A year, two years, three years, whatever it is, it's a ticking time bomb. The organization, quote-unquote, is going to wrong Harden in the wrong way, and he's going to want out yet again. It's a tale as old as time, and I'm sick of it. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Walt out here in Pennsylvania. What's up, Walt? Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, The only thing I wanted to say by calling in was that if they don't handle this James Harden situation the right way, and Meade's already indicated that he just wants to win a championship somewhere. And since he's been in Philly, he had Ben Simmons. That didn't work out. Then they yep. get James Harden. Obviously, that's not working out. If they don't do something right for Embiid and getting him further in the playoffs, he's going to want to jump ship too. When you say Walt really fast here, they got to do right by the situation. What do you? What is in your mind doing right? Well, at this point, I think Embiid's tired of playing with guys who don't want to play. Number one. Um, I don't think his trade value is high enough to get him anything that's going to help him right away. So to me at this point, get whatever you can, and then you better work on something else to get a number two to really be there to support Embiid and get to the conference finals. I mean, well, I appreciate the call, but I think you're spot on in that sense in the, in the fact that, yeah, I don't think they're getting anything of significant value in a trade back for Harden. They weren't, I think, initially from the Clippers, and now you're especially – with his latest show from Harden, you're not getting anything of value in a trade back as his value uh, has plummeted now. Because again, if you're a team taking him on, you can basically point to him and say, he's a big risk. We're not giving you any sort of, you know, prospect, draft pick, young player that you want. You're not getting any of that. So if you're the Sixers, again, if that's the situation, fine. 
Take five cents on the dollar, if you will. And if Embiid forced his way out in a year, fine. That's not the worst case scenario. You're not winning a championship with Embiid being your best player anyway. We just saw that in the last postseason. So, you know, at least save yourself two or three years, trade Embiid next offseason, and get some real pieces to start a rebuild. That is not a bad area for the um, for the Sixers to go down whatsoever. If Embiid wants out, okay, fine. Reset, restart everything, and try this time, unlike the process days, to actually get it right. But bringing James Harden back, trying to hold on to Embiid and keeping this core together, all you're doing is just the living, or I should say, all you're doing is living out the true definition of insanity. Okay, so first weekend of NFL preseason is officially in the books. And I think there's a few takeaways I want to kind of mention here. We're not going to go crazy in terms of over, you know, uh, takeaways and overarching themes. But I think there's a few areas that I think are going to be important to watch going forward that can be taken from this past weekend of preseason action of games that did not count. Let's start with Jordan Love. Big shoes to fill, right? You go from Favre to Rodgers, now to Love. Look, I know he's not a rookie, but I'm treating Jordan Love as a rookie this year. Wins and losses for the Packers, to me, don't matter. The only thing that matters is if at the end of this season, after Week 18's in the books, do you feel good about Jordan Love going forward in 2024 and beyond? Do you feel that Jordan Love can be your franchise quarterback and, you know, replace Aaron Rodgers going forward? If that answer is yes, I don't care if that means you're 7-10, and 10, if you're 8-9, and nine, if you miss the playoffs or make the playoffs, as long as you feel good about Jordan Love's development and him being your QB in 2024 and beyond, that is a win for the Packers. I'm kind of, in a way, judging Love the way I'm judging Anthony Richardson, Colts rookie quarterback. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs this year for both. But can the good outweigh the bad? I think so far you kind of saw both of those areas um, from Jordan Love on Friday. Nice touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs on a second drive. His first drive missed a few throws uh, with some inaccurate throws. Open players missed him. That's what you're going to get from Jordan Love. Again, I know he's been in the league for a few years, but he hasn't played. So I'm treating him as a rookie. And if you feel more good than bad about Jordan Love after 2023, to me, the wins don't matter. As long as 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 you can feel like he is your quarterback going forward, that is what truly will define success for the Packers in 2023. Speaking of success... Justin Fields' best chance, I think, of having success this year and having a breakout year in year three in Chicago is replicating exactly what the Bears did on Saturday. What the Bears did in their first preseason game against the Titans was this. They kept it very simple. They let Justin Fields make plays in space, and they let the athletes around Justin Fields make plays in space. If you didn't see any highlights from over the weekend, Justin Fields played two drives for the Bears in preseason game number one. Three of three... 129 yards, two touchdowns. Here's the important factor. All three of Justin Fields' passes behind the line of scrimmage. That's right. Wide receiver screen, running back screen, dump off to the running back out of the backfield. He kept it simple. The Bears kept it simple and realized we actually have a lot of playmakers on this team. They got DJ Moore in that trade from the um, from the Panthers. Darnell Mooney is a speedster. Absolute burner. Let him get in space and use uh, use his speed. Cole Command is a rising, solid tight end. 
That's another guy that, again, you feel like is a possession receiver, possession tight end, if you will. Khalil Herbert kind of showed you, especially on um, on Saturday, his explosiveness and playmaking. He had a really solid 2022 season. So you have athletes around Justin Fields. Speaking of which, I mean, Fields himself is a big-time athlete. Keep it simple. Don't ask him to do too much. I think just letting those players play free and play in space, and you'll see a really different Bears offense compared to 2022, and you'll see a fun, especially from the quarterback position, a fun offense to watch and Justin Fields be set going forward here to have a really solid 2023 season. Okay, those are some of the good from the weekend. How about some of the bad? Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense did not light the world on fire, let's just say. Playing against mostly Cardinals backups, who I would predict right now the Cardinals be the worst team in the NFL. So if you're going against primarily backups for the worst team in the NFL, and you're able to score one touchdown in the first half, that is concerning. Here's why I'm not panicking. I'm not panicking because this is still a work in progress. This offense is not going to go from one of the worst in the NFL to one of the best literally overnight. So they've got two weeks of the preseason left. I don't think Russell Wilson is cooked physically. I think Sean Payton is the absolute perfect coach to get um, to get the most out of him. I still think he has a lot to give. And so I'm going to take my time with Russ here. I'm going to let Sean Payton kind of get in there, figure out what works, what doesn't work. This offense, I think it will be a little clunky maybe to start the first month. But this is going to be a team I think that really kind of catches speed and gets hot late in the season. So I'm not going to freak out, not going to panic after what was an ugly first half of the first preseason, uh, preseason game for the Denver Broncos with their new head coach in um, – in Champagne. I am, though, going to panic with, a little bit with C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Now with his play against the Patriots on Thursday night, here's what I am worried about, though. I'm worried that there's not enough around C.J. Stroud or he's going to have a brutal rookie year. The Texans do not have a very good offensive line whatsoever outside of Laramie Tunsil. They have really no weapons in the run game or the pass game either. Like, I would argue the best weapon right now that C.J. Stroud has is Tank Dell, rookie wide receiver. Not great when your best weapon right now is going to be a rookie wide receiver. Dalton Schultz, solid. I think he's okay as a tight end. Um, yeah, Damian Pierce have a solid rookie year as well, but you kind of saw a little bit on Thursday night. The offensive line is going to be leaking. I think it's going to be one of those things where I don't think C.J. Stroud is going to be put in the best spot to succeed here in 2023. I think what Anthony Richardson has with the Colts and Bryce Young has with the Panthers, two better situations going forward. What Stroud has with the Texans, that's going to be, I think, a rough, rough, rookie year from C.J. Stroud. What we kind of saw with the blitzes, with the pressure, with throwing an interception on Thursday night in New England, I think we'll see a lot of that here in 2023. Don't look now, folks. Here he comes. The man to save the day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield. He, look, again, I know it's preseason. I'm not going to overreact here. But he in that preseason game on Friday night against the Steelers, Look, for the first time, really since the Oklahoma days, maybe 2020 with the Browns, where he had his true swagger back. He was playing confidently, had that arrogance that borders on cockiness that when really Baker is feeling himself and playing well, that's what he carries himself with. That's the bravado he has. And we saw it there against the Steelers, albeit short, simple size on Friday, but still nonetheless played really well. I think he's going to win that starting job. I'm going to go as far as say is I think he's going to help the Bucs win the NFC South. I'm bullish on Baker and the Bucks. I really liked how crisp he was there uh, in preseason game number one. That will continue for most of this year going forward. All right, when we return here on the Zach Gallup Show with Ronnie filling in, the AP poll is released. And we could say the AP poll and their voters disrespecting Alabama. Were they right, though? 
I think so. I'll tell you why next. Again, it's Ryan Hickey in for Zach right here on CBS Sports Radio.